Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Sarah Davey. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, hi. I'm Sarah Davey. I am a ballet dancer with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. I'm a second soloist. This is actually my 10th season, so that's kind of exciting. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. That's me. <laughs> uh, why a ballet dancer and not a ballerina? Um, I guess I don't know if there really is a difference. I just call it that. Like some people, I don't know. Ballerina to me just sounds so like fairy tale kind of like this is my real life. I call myself a ballet dancer. Right. (laughs) Which is kind of like the um, the the fantasy as like a child. It's just yeah. I want to grow up to be a ballerina. Yeah. One of the stereotypical things. So were you at a young age like you wanted to do it, and then your parents just put you in it or well I actually started dancing when I was just uh, about three years old so don't really know at that age what you want to be but I just was one of those kids that like wouldn't stop moving so my mom was like you need to go burn off this energy <laughs> <laughs> um so it wasn't until I was about 10 years old that I started auditioning for summer schools so I actually went to the one in Toronto first and then was accepted for the year, but my mom was like, no way, you're way too young to leave me for a year. Um, and then I just kind of did it for fun, like the summer schools, like here and there. I really liked jazz and lyrical growing up. I wasn't really like quite a bunhead, a ballet bunhead. But um, I think once I reached like a certain age, it was just like ballet is something I can make a career out of and I love to dance. So like, let's give this a shot, you know, so... So what is a second soloist or what are the, I, I don't know if it's a tiered system. Like, like as, the ranks in yeah, the company. Sure. Yeah. So you start off as an apprentice and then you get promoted to core, second soloist, then first soloist and then principal. So, so what do all of those rankings mean? Um, it's kind of funny in our company because uh, we are a pretty small company. Like if you look at the National Ballet or somewhere in Europe, a lot of those companies have 60 plus dancers. Whereas our company, I think we have like 24 or 25 this year. Like it's pretty small. Um, so we actually end up doing a lot of the roles. Like you'll have a core dancer be doing a principal role. So it, it's usually kind of ranking you to what you're going to see that person do in the show. So like Clara and the Nutcracker would normally, you would think would be a principal dancer, but because we're so small, like we have such talent throughout the ranks that, I mean, for us, it's kind of just like, how long have you been here? And, you know, like the amount of times you've done that lead role that kind of gets you a promotion. So, Can you speak on how physically demanding this is? <laughs> I mean, very. Um, I don't even know what I could compare it to. Like, we dance from 9.30 to 6, Monday to Friday. So we're not <laughs> moving 20, like, the whole time. But, yeah. um... It's a lot of brain work as well. You're learning ballets the whole time. We usually typically have a class from 9.30 to 10.45. That's our technique class to warm up and get yourself ready for the day. Working on like little, just yeah, the technical elements, you know, making sure your legs are still like able to turn out or you're able to lift your legs, you know. And then um, from 11 till 6, we're doing 
the repertoire for the year. So right now we're working on Handmaid's Tale. Whoa, heavy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're working on that one and Nutcracker, and we're also doing Vespers on tour in Ottawa uh, the beginning of November. So we're working on three ballets at once right now. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's not just dancing the whole day it's learning but it's it's pretty physically demanding people it's funny because people always ask like oh do ballet dancers eat and it's like well yeah like we are moving all day <laughs> like of course we have to eat so that just shows you know we go out and I'm like having pizza and everyone's like can you eat that and I'm like well yeah I probably burned like about a thousand calories today so Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have a strict diet that's like dictated to you by the company? No, 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 no. I mean, I, like, it's like any adult, right? You reach a certain age, you know your body, you, how you want to feel, what gives you the most energy. Like, we obviously have to make smart decisions in that sense. I don't eat pizza all the time. But um, no, no strict diet, just stuff that's going to fuel your muscles, lots of protein. <laughs> nice. So... Uh, for a typical ballet, how much time do you actually spend on the stage dancing? So how long is a ballet performance and then how much time do you spend on the stage? Um, so typical ballet is like two and a half hours long. That's usually including the 20 minute intermission. So like just over two hours. Um, I don't know, something like Nutcracker. I don't know if we're on stage for like maybe half an hour or we're just like there like a couple minutes for it at a time but then sometimes you might actually just be on stage but kind of being like the background people too so like you could be on there for a solid 30 minutes like the party scene is like half an hour long right mm -hmm. you're not dancing the whole time but you're on stage acting and like then you run out and do like a two minute piece and then you come back and you're still on stage like you know it's all you're always like performing but then other ballets you're on and then you're off for half an hour right so it just depends on the ballet really so what are you doing when you're off stage um, like drinking lots of water, dying. <laughs> People laugh, actually. I've had uh, some friends watch backstage and they see us on stage and we're all smiling and, you know, it's all like beautiful and pretty and whatever. And then the second we get off stage, it's like a whole other world, you know, like we're dying. Like, you know, you see like football players, they're dying like on the field and stuff like that. You know, hockey players, well, like you don't get to see that side of us, right? Yeah, we don't get a like a yeah. view of the bench. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty much that. It's the view of the bench backstage where uh, just depends. Yeah, like how much time do you have? You know, do I need to fix my makeup? Do I need to fix my hair? Do I need to stretch a little bit? Like just really depends what amount of time you have in that break for sure interesting like with everything going on do you have someone who's coming up to you saying like you got 30 seconds and then you're in or do you have to watch that on no your that's all you Ooh, do we you ever get our, miss it i have never it comes close sometimes like when you have like six entrances in a piece that you're doing you kind of like forget one maybe it's definitely happened before where people have like forgotten and thought it was like the next entrance and been on the other side of the stage and it's like oh my god like crap how do you save that um just dance you just like get on somehow you know it's live performance right like things fall down you pick them up somehow like you just gotta most of the time the audience doesn't notice mm -hmm. So, you know, as long as you make it on for the big stuff, like, yeah, <laughs> if you make a little mistake, it's not really, 
the end of the world, but it does feel like it in the moment, for sure. <laughs> Is there someone that speaks to you afterwards if you make a mistake? Um, yeah, I mean, we have a team of, like, five um, artistic members that are, like, our coaches, you would call them, I guess, and, like, our artistic director and our stage manager. So there's definitely, like, lots of people back there Um Usually it's going to be the artistic staff that notices if something goes wrong. The stage manager has got a lot going on, so she's not really going to be focused on individual people unless it's like a huge role and you're missing like a huge cue. But um, we'll definitely hear about it after from one of the <laughs> ballet masters. Or <laughs> And how do you hear about it? Like what type of... Is it more of like a kind reminder or is it like this is the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it depends how bad it is, you know? Mm. If it's just, like, a silly little thing. Like, sometimes they won't even notice. If there's, like, 20 people on stage and you're standing in the back doing some parents' role or something, you know? Like, they're mm. not necessarily going to be able to see everything that's happening. So, hopefully, that's what happens. But sometimes if it's a big... A big mess up, you're going to hear about it, like, wow. in a very <laughs> blunt way. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, as someone who is performing, uh, like, how often are your performances back-to-back? So, like, for the Nutcracker, within season, are you doing that every day? Like, performing it every day? Performing it? Yeah. Um, it really, Nutcracker is definitely, like, our longer run of shows. Like, normally we do... Um, we have like four Winnipeg shows, um, plus a mixed rep that we're doing also this year. But um, usually that show runs for five days. So it's like the Wednesday to the Sunday. Sometimes we'll have a double show day, like maybe on the Thursday, we'll have a student matinee for the kids to come watch or something. Um, Nutcracker usually runs from about like the 19th to the. 30th in there we get like two days off like the 24th 25th off and then yeah it depends Saturdays sometimes we try to try to do double show days um tour can be different sometimes we'll have two shows on a Saturday two shows on a Sunday it really just depends like where you are what the crowd needs like Vancouver I think we usually do two double show days in a row which can be pretty heavy Mm -hmm. so not only physically demanding but also emotionally to be like being 10 days in and still smiling sort of yeah like what are some of the mental preparation that's required to like be performing like that all the time or like for that one period of time um for me like I like to sleep a lot (laughs) um that's very important for like my mental health I think um But no, I just, uh, it depends on the role you're doing. Like I did Lucy and Dracula and that's definitely a very different preparation than say Arabian dance in the Nutcracker. You know, they're just like, it depends what role you're doing. Um, Lucy's like very much like a character and you're telling the story. So you kind of have to be able to like get into that mind frame before you're going on stage. Um... Yeah, or like Sugar Plum and the Nutcracker. Like, it's just like light and fun and happy and you just want to make the kids smile, right? So it really just depends on the role, I would say, for sure. And how often are you guys out on tour throughout Um, the year? This year, 
we have probably about like four weeks of tour in total. Um, in the past, we've toured more. Last year, we didn't really tour very much, but um, I've gone to places like Europe with the company and China and Israel, and we've been on five-week tours at a time, and um, it really just depends on the year and like the funding we have for the touring. And But yeah, so this year we're doing four weeks, I think. We're doing Ottawa for about a week, just under, and then we have uh, our Nutcracker tour goes to Arkansas and then all over BC. So Cool. Yeah. I don't know if this is a silly question, but you're, I'm assuming, so used to the stage here in Winnipeg. Is, are other stages weird? Like, do you have to get used to the stage setup? Uh, yes. We are lucky. We have a sprung floor here in Winnipeg that we, like, bring to the concert hall and set up, so it's a little easier on the joints. Oh, okay. uh, A sprung floor? Yeah, it's like a type of wood that goes underneath the marley that we dance on top of. And it just, like, has a little bit of give to it, so it's not like you're dancing on, like, the concrete and stuff. Because some places you go... I know in Ottawa they put in a sprung floor a few years ago. And I think we have some sort of rule that if we're performing, like, a certain number of days in a place, then we have to bring our floor to to make sure that we don't injure ourselves, really. Um, But some of the stages can be quite hard. And if you're only doing, like, two shows there, then we tend to not bring our stage because it's a lot of extra money to get all that done um but yeah some of them can be really small sometimes we have to cut some dancers if we're doing like swan lake or something on tour in say victoria it's a very small stage so we got to cut some people it just yeah it's always it's always interesting when we do like the the American tours too. It's like one night stands in each place and Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, today we're changing all of this and you better be able to do it in two hours when we perform. (laughs) So it's just, it keeps you on your toes, right? But you get used to it. So do you find out about cuts when you get there or is it like, Hey, we know we're going to Victoria. We're not going to, we're not going to bring these people. Well, we'll usually bring everyone on the tour because like say Victoria will just be like a a two-day stop right and we'll need them in Vancouver so it's like oh we're just gonna take this couple out for this performance so we'll we'll typically have a backup plan before we leave of like what to do in case it is too small but um yeah we make that decision like when we're at the theater the day of like seeing how much space we have interesting (laughs) and does that get emotional sometimes when someone is just like Um, thought they were dancing and now they're not no, I don't think so. Because, like, we do a lot of shows, so it's, like, one show. I mean, I guess it would suck if, like, your family is coming to watch you in Victoria and then you're just, like, next at the last minute. But, um, like I said, we usually plan, like, the person's going to know, like, this is the couple that's going to come out if we don't have any space. So mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. know Victoria is a small stage, we know we're going to Victoria, like, you kind of know that that's a that's something that could happen. So it's more like placement based rather than skill based. They don't say like the two worst dancers you're out or something. A lot of the times it'll be the younger ones. I would say like, I don't know, just as maybe a respect thing to the older dancers to not take their shows away. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just interesting, I guess, to, to think about Cut, I guess, seems like such a blunt word. Yeah, <laughs> and it is a very cutthroat job. So I think we're kind of like 
groomed for that you know growing up through the school like you have to audition to get into a company you have to audition to get into a school you have to audition for roles in the school you know like we're kind of used to it I guess it still hurts but we're kind of used to it (laughs) so what is the process now once you're in the Royal Winnipeg Ballet do you get reviewed like now that you've made it into the company do you have to work like really hard to keep your spot Oh, absolutely. I think as a dancer, you're always, any athlete really, you're always like, you have to work hard to prove that you still deserve to be there. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You're just like, it's like never ending. You always got to prove yourself, I guess. But we do get reviewed um, in December. We'll have a meeting with the boss and, you know, how's the year going? How are you feeling? And, And you're always, you're always trying to, do better to get promoted or to get another role or we don't necessarily have to audition for roles like once we're in the company we they know who we are they see us dance every day you know they get a sense of who's gonna do what role and when you get older in the company you can maybe have like a conversation about that like I'm interested in doing this role like what do you think I should do to get there or you know just those kinds of things so it becomes pretty open but you are always having to prove yourself for sure for sure so what are some of the sort of criteria of being a good dancer hmm good question that is a good question <laughs> imagine there's like there's flexibility and technique and but there's also performance artistry is right? huge so, yeah absolutely um but also, I don't know, like, to what level of technique or flexibility or anything. I'd like you to talk about all of it if you can. <laughs> oh, man, that's hard to talk about. Um, yeah, we... I mean, going through the school, you're getting your training, right? So usually, like, when you're going through a school, it, it takes, like, not everyone's going to get into a ballet school. You need to have technique. A lot of it is, like, unfortunately, you're born with the right feet or the right leg like it is very specific about body type right like you need the long lean muscles you need to be able to like turn your legs out like do you have the flexibility in your joints like you can work on that so much but some people just aren't born with like legs that turn out right so um stuff like that is very important but you also just have to have like a huge passion for it I think that's the most important thing because if you don't have that, then you're not going to want to do the amount of work it takes to do it. (laughs) Really, like, it's, it is hard. It's hard. It's tiring. It's, it's like testing on a day-to-day basis. Like, it's one of those things. It's a love-hate relationship, you know, with anything that you're passionate about. So we're just lucky enough to make it our career, I guess, right? So, but yeah, I guess technique is huge, huge. Um, but yeah, artistry is just as big, I guess. So what what things are like technique? Like what part of your body are you conscious of when you're paying attention to certain things? Or is it like head to toe? It's or? literally everything. So it's like from the position of the head. Is your head tilted too much? Is it like sideways enough? Like is your neck straight enough? Your shoulders are down all the time. You're always engaging your core. Your elbows up. Like... Your legs are turned out at all times. You're pointing your feet enough. You're not sickling your foot. Like you're constantly doing this whole check of your entire body when you're 
when you're, that's why we have the technique class in the morning, right? So that it becomes kind of muscle memory. So we're not having to think about that at all times of the day, but then, you know, you add new steps as you go along or new tricks and turns and whatever. So you have to keep building on that to make sure your body, because when you're on stage, you're not going to be thinking about that. (laughs) You're thinking about, first of all, you're nervous (laughs) and you're, uh, you're listening to the music when we have live orchestra, right? You're, anything can happen. They could play slower that day and I could have to balance in an arabesque way longer than I'm used to or something, you know? So you're, that's what you want to be focusing on instead of like my technique per se. Like I want that to be kind of like ingrained in my body already. So what is one of the, like, uh, like one of the simplest or smallest things that you can notice that is like a a technique thing that you think is like, you know what I mean? Like a placement Mm. of a finger or like a tiny bit of a turn in a certain thing. Like what is one of the things that your teachers tell you that you have to do that most people wouldn't know about? Um, like me personally, Sure, if you want to. <laughs> like, what is a tiny thing? Yeah, maybe that you just, like, haven't gotten over yet. That's... I feel like my hands are bad. <laughs> so, Which like, is weird, right? Like, you, yeah. like, wouldn't expect me to say my hands. But, like, I hold... I tend to hold a lot of tension in my hands. Whereas, like, you know, it needs to be, like, relaxed in this position or whatever. And, like, I feel like when I'm doing something hard, my hands get tense whereas like some people it's their neck that gets really tense when they're doing something hard you know so Mm -hmm. I think for me like definitely my hands my arms probably (laughs) that's so interesting I know it's weird (laughs) that Talladega Nights quote like I I don't know what to do with my hands (laughs) I don't know totally yeah so and I know everyone is different but what because of the physical demand on your body what's the average career span Um, that is actually a good question. Um, it varies really. Like some people dance till they're 40. I mean, you look at Evelyn Hart, she danced till she was like 50. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not very common. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably like mid thirties. Some people can push it a little longer. Some people less, some people don't have a choice with injuries. Right. Um, I think it depends on what you're doing too like I always say because we are a smaller company we're doing a lot more of the roles all the time like I don't typically ever get a show off whereas like in a bigger company you might have a night off because there's so many people to switch in and out of the roles whereas here like for this year for Nutcracker I we got casting the other day and I am doing Spanish Russian, Arabian, and Sugar Plum. So those are four roles that are, like, happening at the same time. So each night, I'm doing something different. Like, I'm not going to have that time to recuperate. So I think that takes a more of a toll on your body, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. in the long run. But I think it just really depends, like, yeah, on the person. But I'd say typically 30s, like, mid-30s. And what happens after that? What are the typical jobs? Or can you retire? And, like, that's... Oh, no, we don't make enough money to just coast the rest of our life on that. (laughs) I wish. No, we're not, like, uh, hockey players. But, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some people go into teaching. Um, Depends. Like, you could teach in... 
in the professional division school. You could teach in a recreational school. You could become a ballet master for the company. Um, I personally also do a university degree on the side. So like I have um, a big interest in like the business side of the arts world. So to me, like that might be something I want to do after, you know? So I think it depends on the person, but we definitely have to get another job after. <laughs> yeah. Are there a lot of roles reserved in the company for um, former dancers? Um, I think they're pretty good about, um, like they're, they definitely care. They don't want to just say, okay, goodbye, good luck, have fun, you know, figure your life out from now. You've dedicated your entire life to this, but peace out. <laughs> um, no, they're usually, I mean, if someone has an interest, um, you're usually talking about that, you know, during your career. Like right now I'm definitely talking to people on the business side of the ballet, right? Like I'm saying that I'm interested when we do get two months off in the summer. So I am, um, doing some administrative work just to understand how things go on. Right. So I think they're really good about keeping that communication open if you're interested, but I mean, if you're not, then they're fine with that too. So, Hmm. yeah. So then the going back to like some of the dances that have been around for a long time or performed in like different places. So is the Nutcracker here the same as the Nutcracker somewhere else or is the choreography different or? Um, yeah, they're usually like the story is the same, but like our Nutcracker compared to Toronto's Nutcracker is different. They're different Mm -hmm. choreographers. So, um, but like the basic story of the Nutcracker, like everyone kind of knows there's little differences. Like I think, I'm not even sure what their... Like, our little girl's name is Clara here, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the name of their... I can't remember what it is right now. That's pretty bad of me. Um, But yeah, so... Like, there'll be different Giselles throughout, you know, the different companies. There's always different choreographers, so... Mm -hmm. Interesting. Same story, different... Yeah. Yeah, different So if you're doing, like... Um like uh, a classic ballet that has been performed for a hundred years or something, yours will not be true to the original choreography? Um, I mean, it depends what ballet, like, there's just different choreographers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like we, um, like Swan Lake. That's the one that I had in mind in particular yeah. with Swan Lake. It seems like a classic and that every time you see it, it should be the same for some reason in I my head. That's what I can't speak thought. to if the core is exactly the same, but like those variations, like the solos that the lead girl does, um, they're usually like pretty the same. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's maybe like differences, a few differences for what works better for each particular dancer, but variations on a theme, but um, maybe the core stuff is a little bit different, like the market scene or, you know, like different things like that, but the actual like pas de deux and the variation, they're pretty much the same, I think, each mm-hmm. time. Interesting. Yeah, like you say Black Swan, like people know what that variation is, right? Like mm-hmm. Or Esmeralda, people know what that one is, like stuff like that, so... Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder, like, you you get to have, like, your own creative expression, but, like, you don't want to stray too far from the original story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's hard because not everything is going to look exactly the same on every person. So, obviously, you need to be able to 
tweak things here and there a little bit, but you want to stay pretty true to that, especially for those classics, I would say. So in one production, like one night of a production, how many people are actively working like on the production from directors, stage managers, how many people? Oh my goodness. I guess that includes like orchestra too, eh? That's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So something like Swan Lake, we're using, because we don't have enough dancers in our company alone to do something like Swan Lake. So we do use our aspirant dancers, who's like, I would say kind of comparable to like university level dancers. So, like, you go from level one to seven in the school, and then you do two years of aspirant, and in those years, you're working with the company, you're auditioning to get a job somewhere else, you're just kind of focused more on your training. Um, So we tend to use those dancers for something like Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake or Romeo and Juliet because there's so many people needed. So that could be... I don't know. This year, I think we have like 19 aspirants, which is crazy. That's good for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we obviously wouldn't use all of them, but yeah. So say there's like 35 dancers, maybe plus the whole orchestra. Plus, we have our ballet masters that are involved in all the different rehearsals, and they're at the show. You know, um, we have our stage manager, our company manager. Um, and then all the crew that comes with that too, all the people behind the scenes, like moving the sets and doing the lights and stuff like that. So there's a large amount of people. (laughs) Would you say like over a hundred? I'd probably say close to maybe, I don't know, including orchestra. Yeah, for sure. That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot. Yeah. That's why like when we go on tour, we tend to use like their local crew so we'll bring like two of our head guys or three or something like that and then like hire in from there because it's hard to bring like all of those people on tour right yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so so what is a ballet master and how much more training would you need after say retiring from a company to become (laughs) a ballet master um so ballet master is like our coaches like for hockey or something it's like people that work with you every day and Mm -hmm. um I'd say well right now our ballet masters um are all former dancers with the company um so those those kinds of people that you know were kind of brought up like let's take Tara Burtwistle she's our associate artistic director right now but she was a ballet master before that she danced with the company for 20 years and then she went right into that role Mm -hmm. so like she knows all the reps she knows like stuff like that you know so I wouldn't say necessarily you need to redo all this training I think it definitely takes an adjustment not being a dancer anymore and you know knowing how to coach so I mean that's something that they're learning as they go but I they didn't really necessarily need to go somewhere to get extra training. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Right? Like, is there, like, the French school of ballet <laughs> mastery? I don't know. I mean, we also do have, like, our... We have a teacher training program at the ballet school. Um, so those are for people also who maybe never became a ballet dancer professionally. They're, they just love dance and they want to become a teacher, right? So you don't have to be a professional dancer to be a teacher, you can learn how to be a teacher on its own too. So 
just depends the route they're taking, I guess. But yeah, right now, all of our ballet masters used to dance with the company, so. Interesting. Yeah. And how many, so you have five ballet masters for 24 members plus the 19 aspiring right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm like guessing Sorry. on numbers, <laughs> yeah. but like pretty much, I In think. The ballpark, yeah. 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 I think we have, well, we have four ballet masters plus um, the uh, associate artistic director and then our artistic director. So those that's kind of our whole artistic team. Mm-hmm. Um yeah mm-hmm. and then the I think it's 19 aspirants somebody told me that the other day I think that's right wow. cool so, so you can go. go you can go <laughs> I just want to ask about costuming um do those uh are you wearing costumes of previous dancers or are they made for you each time um normally we're wearing like our Swan Lake costumes have been around like for a while, actually. I think actually we might have just redone them, but usually you're wearing something that someone else has worn. Mm-hmm. We have a wardrobe department in the ballet, so we usually just when a ballet is coming up, they pull. We have a huge warehouse in the exchange with all of the costumes in them, so we pull out that costume or that yeah the costumes for that ballet, and then we'll have our fittings throughout the day and. They'll tweak them so that they fit each body properly, but mm-hmm. but like something for like Wizard of Oz, like we're just making those costumes this year. It's a brand new ballet, so we get to they're made for us, mm-hmm. which is fun. and then once those are made for you, those go into the the vault. Yeah, or they were go you, into are the you ever like the vault? Like, 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 I don't know. <laughs> well, I I'd imagine they're expensive. They're so beautiful that yeah. Like, so like w- sometimes we'll rent them out. Like I know. Um, so with Wizard of Oz, this new ballet that we're doing in May, uh, it's like a co-production with uh, two other companies, I believe, and our contribution was the costumes. So we're not the first ones to perform it, but we made the costumes. So like they were tried on all of our dancers, and we found out the heights and you know the measurements of those dancers, and they would find someone in our company that's the same kind of measurements, and you know try it on there. And then now they get shipped off there for them to use them first, and then they'll come back to us. Mm-hmm. So you've never kept a costume? Oh, no, we can't take them home. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever borrowed one? Like, you know, like, um, take it home to, like, you know... Like, for Halloween or something? Show your friends? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get to have... Like, we have, like, practice tutus, mm-hmm. so that we could take home. Or, like, take on a photo shoot or something like that. But... Um, and if somebody does, like, guesting, like, they're doing a variation somewhere else by themselves without the company, we can rent the costume, but no, we don't get to keep them or anything. <laughs> What's your favorite production that you've been a part of? Um, well, most recently was definitely Dracula. Um, I always wanted to do the role of Lucy. I saw that ballet when I was quite young, actually, because I'm not from here originally. I'm from... Ontario so I saw them perform it in Hamilton when I was little and I was like oh, I want to do that role so I got to do that role last year and the year before so that was probably one of my favorites um did you ask to do that role or they um, always knew you wanted to do that role or well I definitely when we found out we were doing Dracula I said like you know I don't know if this is possible but I would love to be able to do Lucy I've always wanted to do it and you know then there's like 
they have to talk about it and talk to the choreographer and you know but so I was lucky enough to get to do it but I definitely let them know obviously mm-hmm. was there <laughs> any changes that you like once you found out that you were doing Dracula like was there anything that you had to um like know that you had to change about your body or work on or something so that role was attainable or was that just always an attainable um role? I think for me it was like the the artistry of it, like, the storytelling. I'd never done something that, like, real and raw and, like, had to be so vulnerable on stage before, so that was something that I really needed to work on. Um, We had lots of time to work on it, which was awesome, but I felt like that really helped me, like, grow as a dancer, too, to be put in that position, right? It's scary, but it was, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites to do so far. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're working on three right now? Yes, three right now. When are they going to be happening? Um, so Handmaid's Tale is... I should know this. I should probably know this. <laughs> it's the second week in October, so it's like the week after the Thanksgiving weekend. So like the 8th? Yeah. No. Okay. It's like between Thanksgiving and Halloween. I'm going to look it up. Okay. That's... <laughs> It is okay. It's the tenth to the fourteenth. Mm. Is Halloween's oh, okay. Tale? Yeah, there we go. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the Nutcracker as well. Yeah, Nutcracker starts I think around like the twentieth or the nineteenth or something. It's different every year, but of December. Yes, yeah. December. But we also do. Um, so we're doing Vespers in Ottawa. We leave for that. We leave on Halloween actually that time, so it must be like the first to the fourth or something. I think I believe at the National Arts Center, and then we also do we tour Nutcracker before we perform it here. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh. starting I think the end of November. So you're flying out on Halloween. Yes. That's a spooky flight. I know. I'm not superstitious. The movie that you shouldn't worry about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen that one with Rachel McAdams. Yeah, where she yeah. stabs the guy yeah. with the Frankenstein pen. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Spoiler. I'm just joking. It's been out for like 12 years. Yeah, yeah. it's been out yeah. for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, a long time. Um, yeah, or, do you have any more questions? I'm just like, I just want to know, uh, like, starting from young to now, like, how it fit into your schedule, like, dancing. <laughs> um... Like, what a day looked like, kind of Yeah, thing. so, like, when you're younger, you were going to school, like, like elementary school, and, right. like, high, like, so how did it fit into your schedule, and then at what point did it become something that you're doing over, like, every day instead okay. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I was, like, really young, it was more of, like, a recreational thing. Um, that was just, like, I did normal school and went and danced in the evening. It was probably, like, six days a week, though. So. And that was starting at what age were you doing six days a week? Well, that was probably when I was, like, ten. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well. Like, yeah, not when I was three, obviously. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I started doing, like, those recreational competitions when I was about five. Um, and then, yeah, so you, it starts taking up a lot of time because it's like you're doing the jazz, ballet, lyrical point um and then you're doing solos and duets and group routines and it's like it starts to take up a lot of your time for sure so thankful to my parents for dealing with that (laughs) um and then when you come to the ballet school uh 
usually, so there's like level one to three, which I didn't come for. That's grades six to eight. Um, they do, they go to academic school in the morning and then they have ballet class in the afternoon. And then once you get to level four, you, which is high school years, um, you do your ballet class from like 8.30, you have like ballet and point or something, let's say, from 8.30 to like 11.15, and then you go to school for the afternoon, and then you come back and you do more rehearsals from like 4.30 till 8.30, depending on what you're rehearsing for that time of year. Um, so that takes up your whole day. And then you do Saturdays as well. So when you're in the school, you're also doing Saturdays. Um, aspirant, you're usually graduated from high school, so you dedicate more of your day to rehearsing. You're usually there, depending if the company needs you to or not, you start about 9.30, you could potentially be working till 6. Um, they're a little bit more lenient because in the aspirant program, you're not generally getting paid. Mm -hmm. So you can have jobs, you know, to sustain a living outside um and then yeah you get in the company and it's just your full-time job so but we don't have to work on saturdays usually wow. nice <laughs> that's good which is nice so did you have to like obviously you have to make some sacrifices growing up you, did you have to sacrifice having a social life or were you able to find a balance um i definitely say you do a little bit um i personally um find it very important for me to have a social life. I don't have like a crazy social life, but like I need to have friends outside of the ballet to keep my sanity. Because if it's just ballet all the time, like I will go crazy. Um, but like some people don't. Some people just, you know, they live in their ballet world and that's fine too. But for me personally, I made a point of making sure I did that. It was hard to make friends though in high school with people outside of the ballet. I felt like they just didn't really understand us. Like, they they were maybe, like, jealous. The teachers really liked us, but, like, we were just awkward people, and we just kind of stayed in our little group, you know? And, and we were only there for half the day. And so it was hard to make friends in high school, for sure. Um, but, no, I just, like, made a point of, like, really trying to get to know people. And then I have people that I went to the school with, that no longer dance too so I'm close friends with them too right mm -hmm. so yeah so you went to regular high school regular high in school in the afternoon yes okay and so you didn't like the the ballet didn't provide schooling for you you had to go to no you go school. to well there's a school that the ballet dancers go to like we okay. all go to the same school so mm -hmm. when I was in so the the younger kids go to Nordale and then when I was in high school we went to Nelson Mack and then as I was in high school, we switched over to the collegiate, the U of W collegiate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now that's the high school that the ballet students go to. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. So is your schooling any different than anybody else's? Like you still take the same classes and all the same requirements to graduate? Yeah. Like we definitely have the core requirements, but I believe some of our like dance training counts as like the electives. Oh, okay. Like not all of them, but like. Because we, we're just not there all day. Like, how do you possibly complete, like, a full course load? Right. Um, I remember at Nelson, we had ballet gym. Like, the ballet dancers had gym together because we weren't really allowed to, like, play those intense sports. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't allowed to get injured, right? So, um, yeah, we did, like, stretching circles <laughs> and uh, played, uh, what's that one? The dodgeball thing. 
I hated gym, so. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so definitely ballet counted as electives. I think also our aspirant program, like, counts as electives towards university, too, which is kind of nice. That's cool. Yeah. So are there things that you're not allowed to do as, like, a dancer? Like, you're not allowed to, like, zip line or something? Like, are there rules? I don't really think we're not allowed to. Like, I don't... I don't know. I might be wrong. I don't know if it's written in our contract anywhere, but, like... (laughs) It's a really long contract. I should probably read my contract. No, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, um, I don't think we're not allowed to do things. I think it's, like, frowned upon and, like... Like, obviously, maybe don't go skiing when you have Nutcracker shows coming up. Like, that's just, like probably common sense like right you don't want to injure yourself but I don't think it's like because I definitely I went skydiving one time I was actually curious about that though I was like is this wrong like am I allowed to do this did you ask them no I just (laughs) they know now but yeah um, (laughs) just like one hard landing and then there goes I know there goes dancing toe and then (laughs) your dancing toe yeah (laughs) I don't know how I don't know it's like anything right it's at your own risk so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean you could injure like it's it's the same thing with hockey players. Yeah. And you'll always hear stories like throughout the summer, like this person was like on vacation and he like broke his leg. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that are like, well, what was he doing? It's like, well, you've got to be able to live your life. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I mean, do like do what you want to do, but like, I mean, yeah. there's a risk. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think more like soccer contracts are the ones that are so intense. Like people are like insuring their hands and stuff. Like goalies oh, yeah. insuring their hands. You're not allowed to like be in a wreck like oh there's so many rules because yeah. it's such a high stakes sport i guess i just yeah. thought well, that you're spending the so royal winnipeg ballet must have yeah rules about i mean yeah it's definitely frowned upon <laughs> like i said in the school we didn't we didn't do like soccer as much or you know yeah. we didn't play yeah. those like basketball and gym class or something so mm-hmm. they definitely like want to take care of us yeah. to make sure we don't get injured but i'm Which not gonna get good. fired if i Right. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> if I twist my ankle kicking a soccer ball. <laughs> yeah. It can happen. <laughs> it can happen. It's I mean, you can page 150 of the contract. Yeah. yeah. Crap. No soccer balls. <laughs> yeah. Right here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. In black and white. Hey? Because soccer yeah. balls are black and white. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. sorry. I, I got it. <laughs> I love like I love when people sell something. It makes it like 10 times funnier. Like, yeah, you get it. You get you it. Get it? Like, you got yeah. it. You got it. You actually make it funny. It does, actually. I feel like you're making fun of me. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so, if people want to come see the ballet, mm-hmm. it's just... Okay, so if I want to go to the ballet, do I have to, like, dress up? Do I get tickets at the door? Like, how does just going to a ballet mm-hmm. work? Okay, so um, right now we have the access point program for anyone under 35, I believe, which is awesome because you get $30 tickets. Ooh. To the ballet, which is a huge savings. Um, so definitely join that if you're under 35. Which we are. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you usually get like an email with an access code telling you like the code to type in online where you can get tickets and then it gives you $30 tickets, which is sweet. Um, you can buy them at the door. You can buy them online. You can, I mean... You don't have to dress up. I always get mad at Kevin, and I tell him he needs to wear nice clothes, and then he gets mad because there's usually somebody there not dressed up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. But um, (laughs) I'd say don't wear sweatpants, probably. Mm. But, like, jeans, like, nice jeans are always nice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always had this, like, 
perception that it was always black tie. Unless No, yeah, favorite. it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely not in Winnipeg. Some some places, I'd say like in Europe, sometimes it's a little bit more fancy. Mm. Or, um, but no, in Winnipeg, we're pretty chill about those kinds of things, right? Like, yeah. So there's no dress code. Like you won't be asked to leave if you're no, not. No, I don't think so. I've never <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> but um, it just seems like such a fancy thing, and maybe some of our listeners have never been. I mean, maybe, no. like, maybe, like, a Saturday night, people dress up more, but, like, a Sunday afternoon, people are bringing their kids, and they're coming, you know, like, it's really, just wear your jeans. Like, I'm sure people wear leggings to the ballet. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's up to you, really. I'd say just, like, yeah, don't wear your pajamas, maybe. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Yeah. Have you ever heard cell phones while you're performing go um, off? Um, yes. Ouch. And That's does, annoying. <laughs> just annoying? You don't get pissed off or anything? Um, or, like, point at them? Or... No, I mean, the show doesn't stop, right? <laughs> hey, just stop the show. No, um... Or sometimes, like, someone will be taking a photo and their flash will be on and it's, like, that's annoying. Because, like, what if you're turning and, like, you see this thing and it distracts you and you, like, makes you fall? Like, it seems silly, but, like, it is, like, quite distracting, which is mm. frustrating, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, talking. Have you heard people talk? Like, because I, I assume from that outside you just think, like, oh, if I'm talking to my neighbor, nobody can really hear me. Well, but, not, like, like, this level of talking. Like, right. No. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we have those student matinees where there's kids, right? Mm-hmm. They're yelling. We can hear the kids yelling, usually. <laughs> the teacher's like, shh. I'm like, you know, you're louder than your kids, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're trying to help, but it's making it worse. I know. She's like, you're even help. louder. But, no. Yeah. Um... Student matinees, we expect it, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. They're having so much fun. It makes us have fun. Like, that's good. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. So, you want to go to the ballet? You want to go to Handsmaid's Tale from the, the 14th? The 10th to the 14th. 10th to the 14th. 7.30 shows. You can just show up in your nice jeans. Yeah. yeah if you're under 35, you, you can get, get your Essex code. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should do a date. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like. For some reason, ballet just seems something that's a little bit, like, fancy and inaccessible and hard to do, right. but it's really not. Yeah, yeah. I think, you just like, show up. they're really trying to, within the last few years, I know the ballet's really been trying to make it more accessible for people, because, you know, like, we want to share what we're doing, and it doesn't matter, like, who you are, you know? It's, mm-hmm. like, it's so fun to come to, and, like, the Nutcracker, it's, like, this tradition that people go with their families, you know, just... It's just fun to have people there, so we want to make it accessible for people. That's awesome. Cool. We yeah. gotta go check out the hand, uh, Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah. That's a, that's Is it like scary? A heavy... It's like a well, it's a heavy story for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I'm doing Serena Joy in it, so that's a heavy role, which is like the commander's wife. Whoa! Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. But awesome. um, yeah, there's definitely like it's not pleasant because it's not a pleasant story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does have a nice ending, so... Hey, there you there go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, yeah, it is, it is... It's a tough one. And they have ice cream there, so you can... Halfway through, <laughs> go get your ice, ice cream. Ice cream, they it's have wine, they yeah. have beer, yeah. you know. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can chill, yeah. and then you can get back yeah. in yeah. there, you know. Take a Hope for a happy ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a ballet, too. Like, it's not going to be that heavy. Like, when we say heavy, like, it's still a ballet. It's not mm-hmm. going to be, like... You're not going to be screaming and crying. Like, yeah. it's not like the <laughs> there's only so show. much we can do that's <laughs> yeah. appropriate to do on stage. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we... We covered mostly everything. Yeah, I think we did. I, I learned a lot 
And just to touch on our last point, I always was under the impression that it was this black tie affair that was kind of like, I, you know, maybe maybe it's not, like, accessible for me. Maybe it's just for a different crowd. You could wear what you're wearing right now. Which is cool. Like, yeah. and, yeah, to hear well, that. it's not cool. Like, well, it's cool that you could, but that's not a cool outfit. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> this would be kind of like calling it in. And I'm, and I'm wearing a gray sweatshirt. And, and like, gray pants. Yeah, gray pants. pants. Yeah. And I'm wearing you slippers. You kind of like a really, really sad Maybe don't wear on. the slippers, but. Yeah, yeah. Maybe swap the slippers for, like, yeah, something. But that's awesome. So. Yeah. Now I feel, like, more comfortable going. Not in this, Not <laughs> but I feel comfortable as a person. That you could. <laughs> yes, I could. In different clothes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping yeah, by. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It. Are you ready? Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with, with us on Papercut Paper Podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to that episode. If you want more episodes just like that, check out papercutwinnipeg.com or iTunes or Google Play, but not Spotify.